If you've got a Bible, you can turn it to John chapter 1. And we're going to be, as Gavin said, starting a new sermon series. And as Gavin said, as he prayed, he said, um, pray that uh, Simon excites you, uh, excites us for, for you. Um, but actually, do you know what I really want to, what I hope this morning will happen is we are all excited by the words of this passage. That actually it's this passage that excites us because it is so rich and so full of truth and joy and hope to us today. So, John chapter 1. Sometimes we look in Jubilee through themes, of the, uh, themes that we find in the Bible. Sometimes we look at, uh, we focus on a particular passage like we've just done with Isaiah 61. And sometimes we will look at a whole book and that's what we're going to be doing over perhaps the next five or six months, looking at the Gospel of John. There are, there are four accounts of Jesus' life, often called the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Actually, they're not of his life really. Most of them focus on the last few years of his life, with very little about his childhood, some about his birth, as we'll celebrate at Christmas. And actually, in John, most of it, the bulk of the book, is on the last week, really, of his life. And they all share many, these four Gospels all share many accounts of Jesus, moments in his ministry. Most significantly, his death and resurrection. And yet, in some ways, they're all different. And they're not exact copies of each other. And do you know what? That can give us confidence in their authenticity. can give us confidence in their truthfulness, in that they are genuine accounts. They're not copying one another, although one or two may have had access to what was already written, depending on when they were written. But they're not just simply copies of one another. Neither are they four accounts written by one person although they are all inspired by the one Holy Spirit. But rather, they're different individuals giving their account of Jesus. And John is probably the most different. It's like, it's like a, a kind of different style of writing. You know, often the, the other Gospels will use parables quite a lot, and they'll talk about Jesus' parables... John, John points to different signs, Jesus' signs, signs that helped people believe in him. Because John was quite clear about why he had written his account. And he writes this at the end of his, his, uh, his gospel. He says, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. And we're going to see that as we look at this introduction to his gospel. Final thing to say on this introduction before we start. How many Johns have we got here today? I'm just looking. We've got a few Jonathans here, haven't we? One Jonathan there. We've got a few Jonathans over here, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we have. Well, 
there's speculation about who wrote the book. The assumption is that it's the John who was one of Jesus' closest followers. John the son of Zebedee, or John the Apostle. Others, when you look into it, suggest that actually it was another John. Maybe it was a John that they called John the Elder, who was probably a disciple, a follower of John the Apostle, who was a believer in Jesus as well, and perhaps that they wrote it together. No one can, no one can prove to you 100% who wrote it. And if they do, and they say they can, be sceptical. But, but I think there is enough evidence to suppose that it's John the Apostle, John Summer Zebedee, the John who was closest to Jesus. But actually, that's not the point of the book. The point of the book is that it holds up who Jesus is to us. It's written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that we have life in his name. So let's have a look at this first passage this morning. Because what John's doing is he's setting up in this passage everything we need to know as we enter into this book. So let's read it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist it's talking about here. We've got lots of different Johns. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who, himself, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Wow. What kind of films do you like? It's not... Not a rhetorical question. What kind of, what types of films do you like? Nice ones, Judy. Nice ones. Okay. No violence or swearing. Who likes violence and swearing? No. Uh, what type of films do you like? Happy endings. Okay. Action films. Okay. Musicals. Musicals. Bill. Hey. Chick flicks. 
Go on, Faye. True stories. Hey, yes. Right, okay, we'll come back to that one. Any others? There are all sorts of genres of films, aren't there? Matthew, you have not mentioned what type of films you like. You like superhero films. DC Comics, Marvel, all that kind of thing. It's not my thing, but lots of people do like it, don't they? Who else likes superhero films? They're a big thing at the moment. Make lots of money in the, in the cinemas. I like films, like Faye actually, of people's lives. I, I'm... I'm I guess I, I'm not so bothered about chick flicks, as you can imagine, or uh, <laughs> I don't necessarily have to have a happy ending, if I'm really honest. Um, but I like, I like films about real people's lives. I liked Abraham Lincoln. I liked the story of the guy who made such an impact on slavery in the US as, as president. I, I, like, I like the film about one of our homegrown heroes, Brian Clough. And uh, his, uh, part of his time as manager, local lad, local borough lad, Brian Clough, and his, his, part of his story as, as, a, as a football manager. I loved it. I even loved Bill, the greatest showman, despite all the singing. I would have done without the singing, to be honest. But I, I enjoyed it because it was a kind of a story, almost truth, but a, a, little bit, a little bit kind of bent out. But hey, there we go. But I liked it because it was a story of P.T. Barnum, the showman. And often films that are about true lives, they often kind of build and build. So you get a picture and then you understand more and more about who they are, who they really are. And as you kind of go through, you realize, oh, that's who they really are. You find out the real them. Well, actually, John doesn't do that in his book. He wants us to know exactly right from the start who Jesus is. And so this morning, as we go through these, some verses from this passage, we're going to see what he wants us to know. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John refers to Jesus as the Word. Words are important, aren't they? Words say a lot about us. Words can actually be quite powerful, can't they? You can encourage someone with an uplifting, building up word. But you know what? You can flatten someone with hateful words. They're powerful. Our words are powerful. If that's our words, just think God's words are like. God's word is infinitely more powerful. In the beginning was the word. Jesus was not created. The son has always been. Listen, let me take you to the words of Eugene Peterson, who was a Christian leader and a, a writer. He wrote many books. Actually, he recently died just this year. He also wrote The Message. Does anyone read The Message, a paraphrase of the Bible? in kind of modern English. Yeah, he wrote the message. And, and this is what he says, this is what he points out about this passage that we're reading this morning. He says that John's drawing a parallel in the first sentence of the book of the Bible. Genesis. 
Go to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And, and, and he says, do you know, a first century Jew who was reading that would know straight away that's what he's referring to. And he says, in, in Genesis, God is presented as speaking creation into existence. He speaks and it happens. Heaven and earth, ocean and streams, trees and grass, animals and humans. Everything called into being by God's spoken word. And then he says, in a kind of deliberate parallel, John presents God as speaking salvation into existence. But this time, God's word takes on kind of human form and enters history, enters our history in the person of Jesus. Jesus speaks the word and it happens. Forgiveness and judgment, healing and illumination, mercy and grace, joy and love, freedom and resurrection, everything broken and fallen, sinful and diseased, called into salvation by God's spoken word. Listen, the word is not, John's saying the word is not some abstract principle. Actually, it's a person. And I'm going to introduce you to him. The word was with God. This is what we read as well. The son is not a rival to Israel's God. Actually, you could say the word was face to face with God. And the word was God. John's saying, look, in Jesus, we're not dealing simply with a good teacher or an angel made by God or, or simply a prophet who only speaks the word of God. No, no, in Jesus, we're dealing with the word, the eternal son who is God. So he is with God and he was God. R.C. Sproul, the American uh, Bible theologian who also died quite recently, I think just last year, uh, he says this, that passage, that sentence, more than any other passage in Scripture, is foundational for the church's confession of the doctrine of the Trinity. The belief that God is one in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And although John will never use the word Trinity in his gospel, actually he talks in very kind of triune, Trinity ways about God. Listen, that we might worship God as the triune God is not simply just an optional extra for some people who might in some kind of way get their head around it, although whoever will get their head around the Trinity. It's not just some kind of optional extra we can add on and that has no relevance, perhaps, to our lives. No, no, this is, this is how we know that God is love. Because he is the Trinitarian God. See, there is a massive, vast difference between the God revealed in Scripture as the Trinitarian God and any other gods that may be purported in this world. At the core, at his very core, he is the father loving and giving life to his son in the fellowship of the Spirit. 
He's, he, it, in himself is love. And actually it's in that love that we understand what love is. He can, be any, he can never be anything but love. And do you know what? I just wonder if some of us haven't fully grasped the love of God because we haven't, we haven't settled it in our hearts that he is the Trinitarian God of love. I truly believe that. When we see that he is, it is the eternal Father loving the eternal Son through the eternal Spirit, that we realize we're invited into that and how much loved we are. You know, this is not just some kind of abstract idea for us to kind of put on the back shelf. We need to know that our God is three in one and is love. Okay, verses four and five, they say this, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, if when I read out that passage from the end of John that says um, the point of this book is to help people believe in Jesus, if I, when I read that out, you were thinking, well, do you know what, Simon? I'm a Christian already. What am I going to get out of the book of John? Because I, I believe in Jesus already. Therefore, this is going to be a really dull series for me. Well, you are wrong. You're wrong. Listen, as we encounter Jesus in this book, we see that he generously gives us life and light. John, John records it, doesn't he? You'll, you, maybe you know the verse. I've come that they have, might have life and life in abundance or life to the full and light. See, light and darkness is a really big theme in John. Light that shines in to the darkness. What is this darkness that John talks about? Well, actually, it's a very common idea, and we still use that kind of phraseology in life. Perhaps you saw the dreadful killing of 11 people as they went to worship in a synagogue in the US just this week. The mayor of Pittsburgh said it was the darkest day in Pittsburgh's history. Or maybe you remember last year the um, bombing in the Manchester Arena where 22 people lost their lives in a suicide bombing at an Ariana Grande concert. And the singer said, uh, as she was talking about this and, and other things in the world, she said, there is some dark stuff out there. She didn't use the word dark, uh, stuff. She used another word that begins with S that I'm not going to repeat. But she said, you know what? There is some dark stuff out there and we just have to be there for each other as much as we can. But for John, John is talking about a darkness that we all experience without God. That men and women walk in darkness when they choose it over the light that he gives. But you know what? There is an answer. And it is not Ariana Grande's answer of we just need to be there for each other as much as we can. It is more like what someone else American said 50 years earlier. The great Martin Luther King, the civil rights leader, he talked about the darkness that he had experienced in racism, 
in division, in hatred, in evil. And he said this famously, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. See, King was a follower of Jesus. And he knew that Jesus was the hope for this dark world. And as we work our way through John over the coming months, we're going to see that it gives light to our path. For us individually, and for us as a church, he gives light. Listen, do you need light today for a particular situation that you're going through? He gives light. Do you need to, do you need to know the way for a particular thing at work? Or something that's going on in your family? Do you know, Jesus gives light do you know what? I loved what um, Liz and Sam then came on the back of about how um, as we look at Jesus, as we see him, as we dwell, as we kind of maybe even write down at what we know of him and what, what he's like, but also as we kind of come into his presence and worship him, actually it gives us light for the week ahead. He wants to give us light for this week and for what you're up to. Look to him. Because the true light is with you. Okay, it also says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means God the Son became human. Human with all its frailties, with all its vulnerabilities. See, in Jesus, God the Son was taking on all it meant to be human. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and the Greek word that he uses for dwelt is an odd one, because John could have used loads of words. He could have used other words that meant lived or resides or dwells, but he uses a word, tabernacled, which means tented. The tabernacle was the tent where the Israelite people kind of met God in the Old Testament. It was a symbol of God's presence. God was in the tabernacle with the people. And John is saying, hey, do you know what? Jesus has tented and put his tent among you. When we go camping to devoted, do you know if everyone pays close attention to where they are to put their tents? And they are marked out, you will put your tent here. And that's how it works, so that everyone knows how far their tent should be away from each other and how far uh, for safety and for, because we're English and we like to be, have our distance from people. John's saying, Jesus put his tent right in the middle of you and came right amongst you. He pitched his tent amongst us. And you know what? Some Bible scholars say that he used this word on purpose to point to Jesus being the fulfillment of all that happened in the Old Testament. See, he's saying, he's not, Jesus isn't, it's not like Jesus is like God saying, well, actually, everything else didn't work, so then my plan B is that Jesus sorts everything out. All that Old Testament stuff was, was a failure, so I'm going to go for plan B, Jesus. No, no, what he's saying is Jesus is the fulfillment of all that Old Testament stuff, which actually is a shadow of the fulfillment. And you and I get to live in the fulfillment. Jesus present amongst us. The fulfilment of all God's promise to us. 
He entered our world and became flesh and dwelt among us. It wasn't just a shout from heaven. Don't worry, guys, I'll sort it out. I'll sort everything out. You just wait there. No, no, that's not what it was. Jesus came amongst us and lived with us. He entered our history. And do you know what? As a man, as he came as a man, we know, do you know what? He can sympathize with what it's like. The Bible says that he can sympathize with us because he was tried and tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And so we can know, as we go through trials, temptations, as we experience the frailties of life, do you know we know we have a God in heaven who's experienced it too and knows what it's like. When I'm having one of those days where I go, God, if you knew how hard it was to live on this earth, do you ever have those days? If you knew, God, how hard it was, do you know what he does? And he did. But he didn't just come just to be sympathetic with us, just to sow his sympathy. But he came because there was a problem. Because we had chosen darkness over light. And we had chosen evil over God. And if you were a visitor here this morning, I know that might sound offensive, but that is Jesus' verdict. Listen, this is John 3:19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. What a total mess humanity is in. Who for humanity will sort this mess out? Well, Jesus, the God-man, who stands in our place and takes our punishment for us. And at the cross, that was happening He takes the penalty of all we deserved. We talked about, we sang about the lion and the lamb. Do you know the the, the pinnacle of God's salvation is when we see Jesus, the lamb, being slain on a cross for you and I so that we didn't have to pay that penalty. Finally, verse 10 to 13. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. It says that Jesus was entering the world that he made. Everything was made through him. He was entering the world he made. But his own world didn't recognize him. A better word for that is know him. His own world didn't know him. And I, I counted up 13 times in John where it talks about knowing the Son, that that's what life is about, knowing the Son. That, that, that's what the whole idea of Christianity is about. It's about knowing Jesus. Not to just know facts about him. Not to just kind of know a little bit about the history of his life and and stuff like that. But actually, to know him. To have friendship with him. See, 
I don't need to tell you this, do I? But you can know about someone without actually knowing them. I think we heard that last week, didn't we? You can know about someone without actually knowing them. And John wants the readers of his gospel to know there's a decision to be made about coming to know this Jesus. Whether it's, whether it's Nicodemus, the, rich, um, the, the ruler, religious ruler who comes and sees Jesus. John wants it, uh, Jesus says there's a decision to be made about me. Whether it's the, the Samaritan woman at the well, whether it's the man that's blind, that's healed by Jesus, uh, whether it's even Thomas, one of his closest followers, who says, I won't believe until I, I kind of put my fingers in the wounds. Jesus is saying there's a decision to be made about knowing me. And do you know what? Those who choose that decision get to become children of God. As Derek so wonderfully put it this morning. Children of God. That's who we are. Children of God. And he picks us up when we need. And he's with us through our life. And he's totally for us because we're his children. Listen, if you choose to receive this Jesus today, you can become a child of God. You see, John didn't say this. He didn't say to those who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to power in life. Although God does give us power in life. He didn't say to those who believed in his name, he gave them authority to go out and tell others. Although we are given authority to go out and tell others. He didn't even say to those who received him, believed in his name, he healed them of all their sicknesses. Although in God's grace, he often heals us of our sicknesses. No, no, he said to those who believed received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, John knew what the real issue was and he knew it was about identity. And that as our identity is transformed, we are transformed. And we suddenly live differently. And we suddenly have power. And we suddenly know who we are because of Jesus. It's about identity. No, live out that identity. You know, don't live the Christian life to try and earn it, but live it out because you've been given it. Listen, you may have heard this um, illustration many, many times before, but I noticed it's Prince Charles's uh, 70th birthday this week, or this month. I think it's the 14th. Prince Charles, the heir, heir to the, the throne, is 70. And uh, he has many titles. Heir apparent to the crown, His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales, Duke of Cornwall, Knight of the Garter, Colonel-in-Chief of the Royal Regiment of Wales, Duke of Rothsey, Knight of the Thistle, Rear Admiral, Great Master of the Order of Bath, Earl of Chester, Earl of Carrick, Baron of Renfrew, Lord of the Ireland, Great Steward of Scotland. If we were to meet him, we would probably address him as Your Royal Highness, maybe not all of us might not do if we are Republicans. But do you know what? To William and Harry, he's dad. He's dad. Because he's their father. And do you know what? That 
is the closeness that you and I have been brought into with God. It's our dad. That's the intimacy that you and I get to know. Because he's our dad. The king of kings. All the many titles you could give to God. He's our father in heaven. And we're his children. And and I don't want to just assume that everyone here this morning knows that. Listen, maybe you're here this morning and you haven't made a decision to know Jesus. Listen, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And perhaps you might want to do it as we finish in our worship song or as I pray. Listen, he offers forgiveness to you this morning. He says you can become a child of God this morning. So listen, as we kind of go through the Gospel of John over the next coming months, I want us to be excited. We want us to be excited that it's all about Jesus. All about him. So let me pray and we're going to finish by taking up our offering and um, singing our worship. Lord Jesus, we love you and we love that you are light and life to us. And I want to ask that for many of us who are looking to light and life in many situations that we're facing, God, would you come to us and would you lead us in your light? And I want to I pray for all of us that we would know truly who we are in you, that we are children of God. I pray even come now and remind us afresh of that by the Spirit, that we're your children. Come Holy Spirit. Come remind us of whose we are. I want to pray, excite us for you. Excite us for who we are in you and excite us for you. And I want to ask if there's anyone here this morning who hasn't come to know you, who hasn't made that decision to follow you, I pray that they would this morning and they'd realise that they could step towards you and say, I want to receive that forgiveness. I want to receive that new life. I want to be born of God and become a child of his. Lord, would you help them to do that, even as I pray and as we sing this final song together. Amen.